We are going to be in Acts 16, the second half of it. We're going to be in 25 through 40 today. What we're going to be looking at, the title I put of the message is Waiting for God to Work. Uh, It kind of has like a double meaning to it, like we're waiting for God to work, but we're also waiting for God before we work. It's kind of like the double meaning, but it actually has like a missing phrase at the end of it that is kind of the leading factor throughout all of this is waiting for God to work when things seem uncertain so when things seem uncertain like we should be waiting for the lord to work okay now to just kind of give you an example in my life of what this looks like uh on wednesday i think it was this is the day that we flew out is that right man we we flew to orlando we were gone for a few days uh, at a conference and um we get there and I know Megan's thing, her like go-to thing, every airport, she wants to look at sweatshirts. So it's not just even in airports, it's in any location that we ever go to is I need to find a sweatshirt. And all the men that were with me in Nepal knows that was my mission and they don't even have sweatshirts in Nepal, it doesn't say. But we were on the mission to find a sweatshirt and before we were going to go look at the sweatshirts, we were both going to the restroom. And uh, so we go to the bathroom, I get out of the bathroom and I'm standing there and I'm standing there and I'm like, babe, you're having trouble in there. So (laughs) it took her forever. And then lo and behold, this voice goes, Joe, and she had already beat me out of the bathroom and had rushed to the store to be able to go look for her uh, sweatshirts or, you know, look at the stuff that was there. But uh, I joke saying uh, Megan and her love to go shopping for anything like will trump any like uh waiting around if she can she wants to go and we have these types of things in our lives all the time where it's like i just want to do this thing so much and i'm pushing and pushing and i'm gonna make it happen no matter what and uh i told megan i was gonna tell that and so she wouldn't get mad at me for messing with her a little bit but today we find ourselves in a really kind of crazy like i hope you guys got from seth last week like how crazy this scenario is for paul and silas they are in jail today is where we're going to begin they got to jail they're in jail in philippi in the macedonian region they got there because of the beginning of the chapter which was the macedonia call Y'all remember how the Macedonia call came? How did they get called to Macedonia? Someone tell me. Through what? Through a vision. Yeah, through a dream. So Paul gets this dream and vision that they're supposed to go. And so they're like, we're dropping everything and we're going to Macedonia. And you know what finds them there? A bunch of trouble. They go and share the gospel. They see Lydia come to faith. And then they get ridiculed on the streets. They get beaten and they get thrown into prison. So imagine their scenario where they're at. God, we knew you were calling us to Macedonia. And now I'm in the middle of a cell. My feet are in bonds so that I can't leave. What are you doing, God? Think about that. Think about where they would be. Like, what did you call us here for? I thought we were coming here 
to share the gospel. And now I'm stuck here in this prison cell. But Paul being Paul doesn't get like that. So let's dive in and see how we should respond when things seem uncertain in our lives as we're waiting on God to work. Acts 16, 25 through 40. Let me pray and then we'll dive in. God, be with us as we read your word. Lord, like David mentioned, that this is your word breathed out to us, not to get just some moral teaching, but Lord, so that we can see the truth of who you are and what you're doing in your church and in our lives. And Lord, may you speak to our hearts today. May you move me out of the way. May I not say anything that is not from you. And Lord, may you speak to us and call us out in the midst of any uncertainty in our lives, Lord, that we would be able to serve and trust and know that you're working for our good. God, we ask that you would speak. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Acts 16, 25 through 40. <clears throat> About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to, listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prisoner, prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then... He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that, that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. So, first point for today. When things are uncertain... We patiently wait on God. <clears throat> we patiently wait on God. In Acts 16, 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And then all the prisoners were listening to them. Get the reality of what they had just gone through. Getting called to Macedonia. Then getting beaten to the point where they're bloody and a pulp. So much, they're so bloody and messed up that he has to clean them later. The jailer cleans them later. Imagine that they're thrown in to prison. They're sitting there and their response is not what I would do. 
They were ridiculed, lied about, brought before the rulers in Philippi, bloody and beaten. It's midnight, and they're dog-tired. You know what they're doing? Singing praises and praying to their God. Just the other day after our plane ride to Orlando, I was ready for bed at 10 o'clock. You guys know how tired you get from flying? You're like, I'm dead tired. I'm ready to go to sleep. Like, I was tired and sore just from flying. They had been beaten. And I'm, like, complaining because I'm ready for bed after flying. These guys had been beaten, and what is their response? We're going to worship our king now. At midnight, in the middle of the night, they were patiently waiting. And I want us to see, though, patiently waiting is peaceful. Paul and Silas are singing hymns to God and praying out. Back in chapter 12, when Peter was in a very similar scenario, do you all remember what he was doing? He wasn't fretting, he was asleep. Neither one of these situations are they fretting over their moment. If we're fretting and worried, that's not showing patience. That's saying, I need to figure it out. And it, when we get difficulties in our lives, that's usually what we start doing. Our brain starts running a million miles an hour, or at least mine does. The way it works is like, all right, this is scenario one, this is scenario two, this is scenario three and four. I'm going to do this one. If this one fails, we're going to number two. If that one fails, it could be three or four. Like, that's where my mind goes. Anybody else like that? So when things start going rough, we start trying to fix. We want to start making our situation work for us. And I want you guys to get, Paul and Silas are completely unaware of what happens next when they're sitting here praying and singing. Like, the, the, like we oftentimes connect this story and are like, yeah, they're praying and singing because they know they're going to get rescued. They're not promised that. Like, they're sitting there praying and singing because they're praying and singing to God. Because that's what they wanted to do in this moment. It wasn't that... Oh, we know that these, this earthquake's going to come, and so we're, we're, we're sitting here rejoicing and having a worship service waiting on Jesus to do his thing and do the earthquake. No, they're just singing because they want to worship him. I want you guys to get how neat that is in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the pain, and when all things are like, it's so uncertain, it doesn't make sense. Why are they in the jail cell at this moment? They're sitting there worshiping. What is our response, church, when things are uncertain? What is our first inclination? Do we start problem solving? Do we start talking about the plan to get out? Like, I'm really thinking, like, if I'm Paul, I'm thinking, how do I get out of these buckles? Do we take out the, who, who's jumping the guard with me? Like, that's, that's where my mind goes. They weren't talking about how unfair they were treated. I want you guys to get this. When things start coming and things are uncertain in our lives, we love to go, I can't believe that would happen to me and that they would do that to me. They weren't sulking in their wounds saying, why am I like this right now? Why did you do this, God? Paul and Silas were simply worshiping their king. 
We want to do something about our circumstances. And when Wilson was born, like the hardest thing for, I think, all of us is like we want to help the Moffats in the midst of this. And the real honest thing that we could do in the moment of that was pray. Simply pray. And we don't like that as people. Like, we don't want our only option be to pray, but it is the best option. And Scripture tells us that. Philippians 4, 6-7 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Like, when things are uncertain, our response should be, God, we need you. God, we need you to work. God, I need you to guard my heart now because my heart is flying everywhere. I am in such pain and turmoil. And I, I know, like, we've all experienced moments like this, but the one that is just most recent in our lives was the Moffitt situation. And like that moment, I know that you guys felt it. And I felt it as their pastor. I wanted just to do something. I wanted to fix something. But the best thing that we needed was to reach out to our Lord and say, God, we need you to work. Guard our hearts. Guard our minds. Make us not go wandering and think of all the worst things possible. God, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you in this moment. We want to kind of do like I did at my last like jamboree football game. So I'm going to tell you a story to let you know a little bit of who I was. Um, there was a dude on the other team. It was actually um, the running back. I was playing defense. I was. It's football season, so you guys need to hear some of these words, right? Uh, I, uh, I was playing defense. I was a safety. And this guy had just like hit a guy on our team late and started then running his mouth to him and you know everybody's kind of like dude why are you being a jerk and I was like dude you're mine and I'm coming for you no matter what this next play and I like it was jamboree so y'all know jamboree doesn't count to your official record and my thought my I would I normally not like this but because it was the jamboree I was like I don't care if he's getting the ball or not I don't care where he goes on this field, I don't care if the ball goes over there and he goes over here, I'm going to take this dude out right now. And by just circumstance of things, he ends up getting the ball. And so I was just running full speed at him from the height. And, I mean, I leveled this guy. But I don't say that to be like, oh. I, I say it to say that's how we want to respond in life. We want to say, shut your mouth, I'm going to take you out. Like, whatever the circumstance is, is get out of my way, I'm going to do something about it. That's what like, we want, like it's our initial immediate reaction. But God wants us to wait on Him. How are we responding in our conflicts or trials right now? Are we trying to find our way out? Are we complaining about what's been done? Are we praying about the situation, church? Are we trying to tell God how He should feel for us and how He should respond for us? 
Because I think that's where we oftentimes get like, God, yeah, you know what you need to do in this moment, so do it. But God wants us to wait on him. The reality of this passage, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, is really important. It says, my, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways are my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God knows what he's doing. And God has put Paul and Silas in this moment because he's about to do something. But even if he didn't, they were still worshiping him. So you might be asking then, how am I supposed to respond? Like, I'm, I'm, I've been waiting, Joe. I've been patiently waiting, sort of half patiently waiting. I prayed some about the situation. Like, how am I supposed to respond? How am I supposed to know when God is telling me I've waited long enough and it's time to do something? I want you to know it's, this is the, the walk of a Christian life, to be honest. This is like the struggle of every single day saying, I'm going to die to what I want and my desires and say, God, I want to live for you. I want you to live through me. I want your spirit to guide and direct every single day of my life, every single moment. So this next conversation, I need you to direct it. I need you to be a part of it. This is what the Christian life looks like. I want you to know, I've given these before, but to know how to know when it's a godly thing or how to know when God is speaking, I'm going to give you kind of the steps. First is, if the response is leading you into sin, that's no. That is not a godly response. Okay? But reality is, like that moment on the football field, for me, I got in my flesh and wanted to take someone out. But that's what we do. Like, our, our flesh says, do this, and you know it's sinful. If it's sinful, that's not from the Lord, okay? So first, ask, is it sinful? It's not from God. We're not allowed to respond however we want, <clears throat> especially when it's sinful. Then we need to look for peace where God is leading when you're praying and spending time with Him and asking for Him to guide, look for what brings peace as you're praying and as you're talking to Him. The scenario that says, all right, these are my two options. God, what am I supposed to do? The one that brings peace as you're walking with Him and talking with Him is the, where you should start moving, okay? Look for peace as you're reading the Word. Have a sense. It seems like God is pointing me here. And then you get confirmation from other believers too. You, you then say, I think God is telling me to do this. Am I weird? Am I way off here? Like, and then get confirmation from other believers. And then lastly, you've got to step out. See, oftentimes we sit and when God's saying go, 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 we say, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, and that's it. We never go. We never step out. We never do the thing. And the reason why is we're afraid, like there's this weird, like, what if this isn't God's will? What if this isn't really what he wants? Well, let me tell you guys, it's okay to step out 
and walk towards God's will and be wrong. Like, He's not trying to trick you. He's wanting you to walk with Him. It's okay to think God is moving somewhere and it's not a sinful thing and go there and realize you're wrong halfway along the path and say, all right, I've got to go a different way. God's leading somewhere else. Maybe I was wrong or maybe God just wanted me to walk halfway down this path and then veer this way. That's the part of our story of starting this church. I never wanted to come back to Hazel Green, Alabama. I never wanted to come back to Alabama, to be honest. I grew up in Muscle Shoals, and I just, Alabama people are weird. <laughs> you guys know it. We are. We all have a weird accent, and we found out when we were in Orlando, everyone kind of made fun of us for it, too. So, with this idea of, like, I never want to come back, while we're in Colorado, God's saying, go back. And God called us to another church. And I felt confident that's where God is going to leave us for the rest of our lives. And God left us there for three, two years, three years, something like that, and then said, start this church. So he had given me something to get me here to now get me here. That's how God works sometimes. And what he, he wants is not to say, oh, like he doesn't want us to go, this is the final answer and this is it. What he wants us to do is just walk with him every single day. Ultimately, that's God's goal. He doesn't expect us to know every detail of the plan. He doesn't expect us to know every detail of our lives. What he expects is us just to live and walk with him. He wants us to step out in faith, trusting him. So secondly, that's our point, second point. When things are uncertain, we trust in God's plan. <clears throat> Sorry. We trust in God's plan. See, in this moment for Paul and Silas, there was this great earthquake. The foundations shake, chains fall, doors open. They're able to be freed. I want us to see that we should live our lives simply trusting in God. They knew where they were in the middle of this jail cell, and they knew that God had a plan for them to be in that jail cell. For whatever reason it is, they're supposed to be there. At that moment, God had them there. So this is a phrase I want us to talk about as a church family. This to be a part of our DNA is that God strategically places us in certain places in our lives. In certain circumstances, in certain moments, we are strategically placed to be the gospel example wherever we are. To be the one who's trusting in God. So I want you to hear, you have been strategically placed where God has you right now. I want you to think about that. The areas of your life where it's like, I don't like this. I'm really frustrated. Not saying he couldn't be calling you away, but at this moment, you're there. And he's placed you there to be a light and to be an example of the gospel to those people around you. You're in your current home, in your current neighborhood for a reason. You might want to move, but right now God's got you there for a reason. 
Are you going to live out in faith and trust of what He's put you there for? Are you going to live out the Gospel there? God's placed you in your very workplace, in your very desk, in that very spot in your office, or in the warehouse, wherever you're at, for a, a specific purpose. Are you going to live it out? Are you going to be the display of the Gospel where you're at? Or are you going to hide from the calling? I want you to hear this. Parents, He has given you the kids that you have for you to raise and share the Gospel with. And what I mean by that is He knew what you could handle. He knew what you couldn't handle. He knows what drives you up the wall and He created the children that you have for you. Are we bringing the Gospel to them? I want to one more step, husbands and wives. He has given you the spouse that you have. They're not going to be perfect. They're not going to be as good as you are. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's what we always think, and I'm with you. But God has given you that spouse for you to live with to be in relationship with, to love, to care for, to be a light of the gospel for them and them for you. Are we living out and trusting in the Lord in everything or are we questioning every little thing of our lives? See, God has strategically placed us and let's be a people that ask Him, what am I supposed to do with where I am right now? That should be our question every day, not why am I here but what am I supposed to do while I'm here? See, Paul and Silas, they didn't just bail on the jail cell when the earthquake came. I want you to see this. It doesn't say that they're screaming in fear as the doors open, chains fall off. You know what they did? They stayed right there and just trusted that God had them there. How cool is that? I'm bouncing. I'm running. I'm knocking out the jailer with the elbow as I go out. But no, they're like, we're here. Because God placed us here. Like, you've called us to be here. We're trying to share and pray and sing hymns so that everyone in here hears. We're trying to be the light for you, Lord. And you've called us here. So we're going to trust whatever you do here. And then they could have let the jailer kill himself. And they could have bounced at that point. But they saw that God had them there for a purpose. And they simply trusted the plan of God. They let God use them wherever they were. They prayed and they sang so that the guards could hear, so that the people could hear the other prisoners. God strategically placed them in the jail cell for this guard and his family. Get that. Get the weight of this. This family comes to know of the loving, saving grace of Jesus Christ because they were willing to be where God called them. They were willing to be in the jail cell where God led them to be. They thought they were coming for the big vision. They got this vision. They go. They sail. They thought God's going to do something huge. Well, guess what? In a little bit, we'll see. He really did something pretty massive through this moment. But they were willing to stay in the cell, in the hardship, so that the gospel could spread to this family. 
Acts 16, 30-31. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So I want you guys to see, see that we as Christians, we as believers, our lives should be spent trusting in him but that is the basics of salvation as well it's simply trusting in jesus it should be what we do from the very beginning of our walk with him all the way throughout it is what we do the word believe here we've talked about it a lot is entrusting it's it, it is it's not just a head knowledge but it's placing entrusting your faith into something and he's saying, believe in Jesus. Entrust your life into the hands of Jesus. So the gospel tells us that while we were far from him, he's called us to believe and to entrust our lives because we could not earn salvation. We could not be good enough. We could not do enough to get to heaven, to reconcile ourselves with God. But God in His grace and His love said, I'm coming for you and all you have to do is trust that I have died on the cross for your sins. I've taken your place and I've risen from the grave conquering sin and death so that you can have life. And all you got to do is entrust your life into my hands. But going back to the just whole first half of this message, that's what we struggle with. We want to do it. I want to ask you, church family, today, are we entrusting our hands into the our lives into the hands of Jesus right now? In the in the moment to moment stuff of your life today, are you entrusting your life into his hands? And get this, salvation is there for those who are uh, the Jews, and, but also salvation is provided for the jailer and his household, who in this moment would have been the enemies of Paul and Silas. The guy that's holding them in the cell. What we in our, our fleshly mind would say is our enemy, God came for him. And God put them in the cell so that they might know salvation. So church, in the uncertainty of life, I want you to ask, am I entrusting my life in his hands right now? Day to day, am I waking up to say, God, I trust you today? Or am I doing it on my own? Am I trying to to make my life work? Am I trying to fix the things at home? Am I trying to, all of the stuff, am I doing it? Or am I saying, God, I trust you to do it. I trust you to work. And today I'm waking up and I'm saying, I can't do it on my own. I've got to trust in you today. I can't make these things right in my life. So I'm trusting in you today. And I'm going to let you, God, I'm going to let you direct. And I'm going to live by the Spirit guiding and directing my life. Lastly, we trust in Him. And when things are uncertain, when it's time, we speak for him. We speak for God. <clears throat> In the first part of 32, uh, through it's like 32 through 34, I believe, uh, they spoke the word of the Lord to those that were in his house. And then they were washed. Then they baptized him and his family. So I want you to see, they spoke when the opportunity was there, but what did they speak? 
God's word. The, the, the thing that brings life. What advice was given? The word. So I want you to think in the moments when you're having conversations with people in your life, what advice do you give? What are you speaking into people's lives? Is it the truth of God's word or is it just ideas? When your brother or sister is struggling, when we're trying to say, I'm trying to figure out what God's doing here, what am I supposed to do? How are we helping them? Are we telling them to dive into the word? Are we showing them scripture? Are we working with them? Or are we just telling them our, our, our ideas? We've got to realize, church family, that our, lives, our ideas and plans don't matter if he is not the one directing them. We have to be the ones that offer the truth of God's word to the world around us. If we aren't going to do it, no one else is going to. And if we have the truth that our world so needs right now, and is just so tore up for, our world is in shambles looking for truth. And if we're not going to be the ones to share it, no one is. No one's going to share the truth of His Word. But to be able to do that, to be able to offer the truth of God's Word, we must know it. We must spend time in it. We must flood it in our lives. Our hearts must be overwhelmed by it. Because we can't speak it if it's not in us. And then the last part of this whole passage is kind of the part that it kind of feels weird. Paul is like, is like, no, you need to apologize to us. So we'll go over that. The, magistrate, the magistrates wanted to hide the release because Paul and, Barnabas, I mean, Paul and Silas were Romans. And the reason why that matters is that was a serious Offense to have flogged them and beat them in the middle of the streets without just reason. This, this situation was pretty ironic. <clears throat> Paul and Silas had been treated as criminals but were innocent. And the magistrates who had condemned them now found themselves to be the criminals. They lost no time in getting back to the jail and requesting the departure of, the, uh, of these citizens, of Paul and Silas. Evidently, they were still concerned about all the commotion that Paul and Silas had done and stirred up, and they wanted them to get out of town. But I want you to see, Paul spoke up here. Paul's like, no, we're not just going to go out quietly for the protection of the church. See, Paul spoke to protect the church of Philippi. I don't know if you guys realize, we... I believe that Seth mentioned it, but like this is the moment when the church goes to Europe. The first church is established here. This is the moment. So it's no longer just in the Middle East, but it's gone over to Europe. And the church is being established. And Paul sees the need for these brothers and sisters to be able to continue to share. And he boldly states, Nah. We're not going out in silence being the criminals in the world's eyes. You're the criminals. When the opportunity is before us, we should not let others speak badly of the church or our Savior, though. 
And what I mean by that is we don't begin fights, but when someone says something false about our God, we correct. When someone talks wrongly or falsely about our church, we correct. And what I mean by that is we don't go looking for the correcting moment. You hear me? Like, we're not going out there trying to start fights, but when someone says it in the midst of it, we tell the truth about what was said. We need to look out for God's church. The, 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 oh man, I lost the word. The sanctity, there it is. The sanctity of the scripture and his church. The sanctity of the gospel. We hold it highly. And I want you to look at what happened because of their willingness to speak. Before arriving in Philippi, there weren't believers. But now there is a gathering officially at Lydia's house. The first church on European soil. Verse 35, I think it's 35 or 36. It says, so they came and apologized to them and they took them out. And Oh, sorry, no, 39 or 40. It says, so they came and apologized to them. They took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. I want you to get the beauty of that last line. They had shared with Lydia. They had shared with the, um, the uh, jailer and his family. But they're going back to a church meeting here at Lydia's house where there's other people there too. The gospel's already spreading. The brothers are there. But then I want to go one step further and look at Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So get the beautiful picture of this. This moment... Paul's writing to the church that officially got established in Philippi. And I saw one commentary say, how cool would it be if the person that was reading out this letter to the whole church was Lydia or the jailer or one of his family members? Like, these are real people. And Paul's saying... I'm sure the one who began a work in you is going to complete it because when I was there, there was craziness going on and Jesus was working. Jesus has been working. Jesus is at work in your life today, church family. The one who is at work is going to bring us to completion. He's done it with the church at Philippi. He did it in this moment with Paul and Silas. Church family, we can trust Him. We need to patiently wait for him to move. But when it's time, we speak the gospel. We declare it with boldness. And we let him do his work in people's hearts. God will spread the church. God will further his kingdom. We just need to be the vessels he's called us to be. So church family, I don't know where this message finds you today. I don't know what thing you're holding on to and where you're not entrusting Him today. But I ask and I beg of you, trust our Savior today. If it's your first time to ever trust in Him, to place your faith in Him, and to give your life to Him totally, 
Do it today. He is a Savior who loves, a Savior who's good, and a Savior who is big enough to carry our sin and take our place on the cross. To reconcile that relationship. But church family, He's big enough to carry our problems too. Our junk, our things that we're worried about, the stuff that's going on in our lives. He's big enough, so let's take it to Him. Stop trying to do it on our own. Stop trying to fight on our own. Let's let our King do the fighting for us. Let's be a people that wait on the Lord, that trust in His plan, and speak boldly when we have the opportunity. Our King Jesus will bring His work to completion. Let's pray, church family. God, I thank You for this day. I thank you that we have the truth of your word. We see that you worked in Philippi. You built and established your church. The moment of Paul and Silas in the jail was not some just overlooked moment. But Lord, it was pivotal in the faith of so many people in Europe. Lord, your gospel spreads because men were willing to go. And God, I just ask that you help us entrust our lives to you today and that we would be willing to go because you're worth it. God, call us out right now, Lord. In our hearts, guide us to where we need to go. Help us not lean on ourselves. Help us not lean on what we know. But Lord, help us trust in your spirit to God. Lord, I ask that you speak and do something in our church today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.